0: Turn your windshield time into learning time. When you're not listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, listen to the next book that is going to unlock something so you can do better in your day-to-day by signing up for Audible. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible to get a free book and a free month and learn why it's one of my favorite tools. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of Scaling Up H2O. And Nation, you've been waiting for it. You are wondering what the heck is going on. Where is the continuation to episode 237, Well, as I mentioned, on the end of 237, we're trying something a little bit different. So on our next Pinks and Blues installment, which is today, we are continuing episode 237, which was our question from a Scaling Up H2O Nation member on what about cooling tower cleaning? In episode 237, we talked about all things around the why to clean a cooling tower. And today, we're going to be talking about the what around cleaning cooling towers. So here's a warning, if you have not listened to episode 237 yet, this is your opportunity Go ahead and bookmark this podcast and then go back a couple of episodes to 237. Listen to that one and then listen to this episode 240 and you will be able to follow right along because I'm going to jump right in when we're ready to continue that episode. But right now, I want to talk about a couple of announcements that are coming up. So the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies is having their policy conference March 7th through 9th in Washington, D.C. If this is something you wanna find out more about, go to our show notes page where we will have that information for you. Another item is the 7th International Water Association Professionals Conference taking place April 4th through 6th in the Netherlands. That just sounds amazing. So if that is something that you want to check out, then please go to our show notes page. We will have all of that information for you. Now, I urge you, if you have not found the correct associations that you need to be a member of, or at the very least, keep tabs on, Please make that a goal of yours because there are all these wonderful associations out there that are gathering all this information in one place for us to do however we practice industrial water treatment better. And it is an easy one-stop place for us to go to find out the majority of our questions. Our issue is many don't know what these associations are. So I mentioned these associations to let you know that they do have conferences. They do have things that you can attend. But I also want to get the word out that there's so many associations out there and their whole purpose is to help you get some more information To answer those questions that you have at all the equipment that you are expected to service, all the customers that you are expected to please, when you have a place to go, it just makes things a lot easier. So let's get back to that cooling tower and how it's cleaned. The first episode was, again, about the why. Today, we're going to be talking more about the what and specifically the logistics around cleaning. Now, when we talk about cleaning a cooling tower, the terms online or offline cleaning come into play. Now, let me define these very quickly for you. So an online cleaning is when you have some sort of portable filter device, kind of like a pool vacuum system, if you will, And you're sucking out the debris on the bottom of the cooling tower, which, of course, is the basin. And these things are great for intermediate tower cleanings to get all that crud off of the bottom of the system. Of course, hopefully we have a filter on the system as well, because if we stir anything up, that's now going to go into the system and settle out on our heat transfer surfaces. That's not good. That's not something we want to do. So if you have any questions about why we need a filter on a cooling tower system, then you can listen to episode 237. But I want to make it clear what an online cleaning is. And by the way, if you want to just look at what are some of the devices that are available to us, Goodway way has a lot of great products. So we're gonna put a link on our show notes page so you can look at some of the online tower cleaning devices that they have. Today's purpose of the show is to talk about what I'm gonna call offline cleaning. So this is where we are shutting the system down, we are taking things out of the system, we are cleaning them, and then we're putting it back together. So we're gonna give that the term offline cleaning, and this is something that needs to be done regardless if you do an online cleaning or if you, I should say, and or if you have a filter in the system. You still have to break the system down, I mean the cooling tower, and you have to clean that. Just like if you have a chiller Occasionally, you have to break that down and you have to clean that. If you have a plate frame heat exchanger or a shell and tube heat exchanger, you got to do the same thing with that. Heat transfer equipment pieces need to be cleaned periodically so they can continue to be efficient with how they transfer their heat. So let's now go to the logistics of an offline tower cleaning. First thing we need to do is decide when this tower is going to be cleaned and what are all the things that we need to take note. So if there's anything that needs to be repaired, now is the time to do it. And how long is it going to take to get those parts in? Well, your guess is as good as mine, but we got to get them ordered first. So as you're scheduling the tower cleaning or as you're having the conversation of when to schedule it, One of the first things you want to do is go out and walk around the entire cooling tower and inspect it. Anticipate what you're going to need there to make any repairs. Look under the cooling tower. Are you seeing any leaks? Well, it's a great time to repair those leaks when the tower is shut down and we can actually do some work on the tower. Maybe there's some bad distribution nozzles and we need to order some of those. Maybe there's some bad tower louvers. And again, tower louvers is the name we give to the covers on the outside of the cooling tower that allow air to come into the cooling tower but not allow water to splash out. Maybe those are damaged. Maybe they are so badly fouled, there is absolutely no way that you're going to get those cleaned. Maybe you want to order some new ones of those. Whatever it is, you want to go ahead and get that stuff on hand. You want to go ahead and get all of those things scheduled. So what else besides just cleaning this, the tower need in regards to being either repaired or replaced? A quick note on those tower louvers. This is something that was introduced to me years and years ago, and it is just fantastic when people do it. I mentioned maybe the louvers are so badly fouled you can't clean them. Well, I gotta tell you, if you put a badly fouled louver into the basin of a cooling tower, your water treatment products will clean it for you. It will loosen up all that crud that's just impossible to get off. And you can very easily just hose all the rest off. And a lot of times they look brand new. So if you have to order a cooling tower louver, order two. If you have two different sizes on your cooling tower, order one extra of each size. And what you'll do is you'll just simply rotate through each and every month or so and putting dirty louvers into the basin, allowing your products to clean them up. And then you'll just rotate them out and you will never ever have to clean a cooling tower louver again. Now, I can't tell you how many issues I've seen where cooling tower louvers have been damaged from pressure washers. So if you can avoid putting a pressure washer to a tower louver, it's going to work better. Everybody's going to be a lot happier. I know the tower louver will be a lot happier. I'm sure I'm going to bring that up a little bit later. So, but that's a tip I want all of you to know. And If we can keep things clean and work into our regular process keeping those things clean, it just makes things easier. And if things are easy, people are going to do it. And then you have the whole efficiency side to that where it's cheaper to run the system. We're using less resources. There's so many ways just to work smarter and not harder. Now, once the cooling tower cleaning has been scheduled, at least about a week before you go to do the tower cleaning, it's a great idea to increase your dispersant and then also increase your biocide. Whatever microbicide that you are using, preferably it's an oxidizer, you're increasing that. And those two things together will start to clean and also start to loosen up some of the dirt within the tower fill. And areas that might not have been getting an adequate volume, now you're going to have some extra on board to start cleaning the system up. And I use the term cleaning very loosely because that's not really what it's doing. It's actually loosening up things, making it easier for whoever is going to clean the system. So as I said, about a week before, you want to increase the dispersant feed and the oxidizer feed. And ultimately, what that is going to do is allow whoever is cleaning the cooling tower to spend more time on the areas that count rather than trying to clean some of the areas that are more visible, because they're trying to make sure that the cooling tower looks clean when you poke your head in there. So we can do all of those things if we're just putting a little bit of extra effort in a week before. Now you might be saying, well, Trace, that's gonna cost extra chemical. Can I charge for that? Absolutely you can. That should be part of the cooling tower cleaning process. And if you have not, I would take some notes from this episode and you can have a line-by-line discussion of all of the things that need to happen in a cooling tower cleaning. So it's not just who can do the tower cleaning cheapest, it's who's doing the job that needs to be done and now you're part of that process and you're allowing yourself to be a bigger resource to that customer instead of just leaving them service reports that you completed your monthly work. We want to be water treatment professionals. We want to make sure that they see value in everything that we do. And we know that they look at us upon that when they're asking us questions about things like tower cleaning, or how often do I need to clean my chiller, or I'm getting a new cooling tower or a new piece of equipment. What is your opinion? If you have ever walked into a building and found a new piece of equipment and your customer never told you about it, I want you to go and talk with a customer and let them know that it's so important for them to consult you because they might not have thought about it. And the reason they haven't thought about that is you haven't made them think about it. Make sure that they are considering you their most valuable resource when anything involves their water treatment system. Anything in their HVAC system, anything that touches the water that you're responsible to treat, you need to be brought into that conversation. So now after all of that, let's say it is time for you or somebody else to clean the system. So this is when you want to turn the system off. Now, in episode 233, I talked all about PPE. I talked about lockout, tagout. Actually, I don't know if I talked about lockout, tagout then. So I want to say this. You want to make sure that you are protected. So anything you need as far as PPE, personal protective equipment, you are wearing. But now you are isolating out energy. And you want to make sure that nobody turns that energy back on because whoever's in the cooling tower, they could get harmed from that energy. So you're physically going to put locks and tags on wherever that energy is turned back on. And then whoever is doing the work, they all have their locks on that. So the last person out is the last person taking the lock off. And it just ensures that everybody is staying safe. Now, depending on how whatever company or whatever person is doing the cooling tower, they may decide to drain the cooling tower. They may decide to keep the water in the cooling tower. And then that's going to be the last step. It really depends on the type of cooling tower and the technique that you are going to use. Now, a technique that I have seen that I absolutely think is brilliant is you put a sump pump in the bottom of the cooling tower basin And then as you wash all the dirt and debris from the top to the bottom, you're squeegeeing all that old water and dirt and debris into the sump pump, and that's simply just taking it out to the drain. It's one of the easiest and fastest ways to get all the crud off the bottom, providing you don't have a lot of crud to start with. Now, if you've got five inches of mud on the bottom of the cooling tower, folks, you're going to have to drain that cooling tower and you're probably going to have to get a shovel in there and start shoveling out all that dirt and debris. And pro tip, if you've got five inches of dirt in the bottom of your cooling tower, you waited way too long to clean your cooling tower, and I promise you, you have far more problems in your heat transfer system than just five inches of crud on the bottom of your basin. So, all that being said, you now have a couple of items that you're thinking of. Do you need to drain? Do you not need to drain? So, now, You're going to start from the top to the bottom. And actually before that, I actually like to do something first. So I'm going to pull all the tower louvers off and I'm going to soak them. Yes, I said soak them. I did not say pressure wash them. Now, what should you soak them in? Well, most likely your company has products that allow, if you're getting a lot of biological debris that are on the tower louvers, then you want to soak them in something that will take that off. If you have a lot of evaporative salts debris on the tower louvers, then you want to use a product to take that off. Please note, I did not say scale. I said evaporative salts. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people use bad terminology and they're either not corrected or sometimes the bad terminology is actually used to sell against one account to another or one water treater from another. Evaporative salts is where a high concentration of water, so it's got a lot of of dissolved solids in it, goes from wet to dry. Well, hey, that's exactly what the louvers are designed for. If any water splashes out, it's not going to be there for long, and all the incoming air is going to quickly evaporate the water away from those salts, leaving the solids behind. That's what you're seeing there. That is not scale. No heat transfer is being taken from that area of the cooling tower. That's what's going on in the tower fill. Now, if we change the story that you're seeing scale, you're seeing solids, not debris from dirt, but you're actually seeing precipitation coming out from those dissolved solids in the tower fill, that's telling you that you've got an issue there. And that is a water treatment issue. But the tower louvers are not a water treatment issue. It is a cleanliness issue. And it's normally an issue because the louvers were not cleaned properly. The pressure washer was then used to gouge out uh, the internal. So now they're not able to keep the water on the water side and the air on the outside. Well, actually the air is coming through, but we want to keep the water on the inside is the whole point of that. And when they're destroyed, they don't do a good job of that. When water gets on the outside, all that sunlight and everything that the tower is trying to bring in with that air, that all gets trapped there and you get a real nasty mess. If you're seeing that, it's probably because your tower louvers need to be replaced. And as I mentioned before, don't just replace one, buy two and circulate those around. So all the louvers are off. They're soaking in the proper solution. Now you're going to pull all the distribution nozzles off. Now, if you have hot decks, there'll be distribution nozzles right underneath those. I'm not sure if I'm calling those the right name, but underneath the holes of the hot decks, there'll be little swirly guys. And the whole point of that are the little nozzles are creating a wider surface area so you can distribute that water over a larger amount of the tower fill. And then the tower fill's job is to keep that water separated so the air-water interface has as much surface area as possible. I talk a lot about that on episode 237, but you want to pull all of those nozzles off because you're going to clean them. And ideally, you're going to get a five gallon bucket. You're going to put whatever appropriate cleaner that you need, and you're going to soak those. Now, if you have a system like a counterflow tower, you probably don't have a hot deck. You probably just have distribution nozzles, and I know I'm calling those right, that are coming right off of the main lines, bringing the warm water into the cooling tower. You also wanna pull those off. You're gonna soak those and ultimately you're gonna clean them later, but soaking them will allow that to happen a lot easier. So now if you have a hot deck, you're gonna start cleaning the hot deck. You're gonna rinse everything down. You're then gonna clean the top of the tower fill and you're gonna work from top to bottom, side to side. And this is probably where you want to bring your pressure washer out. And I just have to say, I have seen cooling tower parts massacred because people are using a pressure washer. A pressure washer is my least favorite tool to ever use on a cooling tower because you can really obliterate all the things that make that cooling tower efficient. The whole job of all that tower fill that's very, very brittle is to keep surface area on that water so we can have as much air contacted as possible. And if we just take laser chunks out of it with the pressure washer, it's not going to do that. So you're probably thinking, well, Trace, what else is there? What can I use? my absolute favorite is to use a fire hose. Now, if you've got a fire hose, maybe you don't need it full blast, but the idea of a fire hose, and typically on a roof, there is one, is that you can control the nozzle and now you have a very wide dispersion area of a very high volume of water. And that will allow you to really get in to cleaning all of the tower fill, all the different areas without obliterating it with laser focus pressure like a pressure washer does. Now, you might be saying, Trace, I don't have that. The only thing I have is either a hose or a pressure washer. Well, I have to, again, say I prefer a hose over a pressure washer. But if you absolutely, positively must use a pressure washer, I would say use the largest tip that you have where you're putting the most water through it in the widest dispersal pattern. You'll do the least amount of damage With that, But the whole process is I don't want to damage anything as I'm cleaning it. You're going to be the judge with how and what you use, but you're working from the top all the way down, forcing all the debris all the way down eventually into the tower basin. Once it gets into the tower basin, now that's where you're going to be using that sump pump. And you can simply squeegee all the dirt that you've rinsed out into that area that has the sump pump and it will pump that into a drain and you should have a very nice clean cooling tower. However, the job is not done yet because I missed one huge part of the cooling tower and it's something that most people miss more often than not and it is the pump strainer. Folks, when you're pulling those louvers and soaking those and you're pulling the distribution nozzles and you're soaking those, you need to pull the strainer out of the pump. If you did not pull the strainer, you did not successfully clean the cooling tower. My dad used to say that all the time. I can't tell you how many times I heard him say that, but think about it. If we are not getting all the crud out of the strainer, especially if we have poor efficiency, poor flow through the strainer because of all the crud that's in it, the whole point of the cooling tower is it is a heat transfer device. And if we are starving the pump for flow it's not going to be able to put the right amount of flow through the cooling tower at the very least it's not going to be able to do it efficiently so if you did not pull the strainers and clean the strainers you didn't finish the job and nine times out of ten unless you ask people to do that normally that is something that just isn't done now as far as cleaning the pump strainers folks if you want to use a pressure washer for that knock yourself out. As long as it's not too badly corroded, I don't think you'll have any issues with that. It might be a little messy depending on what's in it. You might be easier just to put it in a bucket of water and use a brush, but we're all adults. You can figure out what you want to do. The whole point is, is that we have a lot of nice flow through that pump strainer. Now, you might have a customer that says, Trace, look at all the things that that pump strainer caught. You said we need a filter. I'm looking at our filter right there. Yeah, true. It's filtering out some stuff. But here's how I want you to look at it. The pump strainer is not there as a filter. The pump strainer is there as a catching mitt for rocks. We don't want large pieces of debris to enter into the pump impeller area and destroy the impeller. That's why we have a pump straighter. It is not there for efficiency. What's there for efficiency is the filter that we need to convince our customer to put on this system because it will make everything run better. So back on episode 237, I refer to this as the quadrinity. So that are the four things that we have to make sure we do as a professional water treater. And then we have to slow down corrosion. We should be able to eliminate scale. We should be able to severely retard the growth of microbial fouling. And then the removal of general dirt and debris, that is a filter, that's the mechanical part of our water treatment program, and that is efficiency. That's making sure that all the things we put in the system can actually get where they need to get to because there's not dirt on them. So a filter is very different from a strainer. No, Mr. Customer, a filter is not a strainer, but these are all the reasons that you need a filter on your system. And in fact, there's a great podcast for it. It's episode 237. I'm gonna share that with you right now. How about you listen to that? And then we have a continued conversation on how we're gonna get a filter installed. Well, Nation, by this point, You've got everything put back into the cooling tower, so everything's clean. Now, I probably didn't talk enough about cleaning the tower louvers, cleaning the distribution nozzles. So hopefully with whatever you soaked, that took most everything off. But maybe you now need to have a a high volume of water going through the tower louvers. Again, be careful with a pressure washer to clean those up. You might need a brush or maybe even a Q-tip to clean the distribution nozzles. And then you want to flush them out really well with water just to make sure that any crud that you've loosened with your brush is now flushed out of those. And now you're going to make sure all those things are securely back in their respective homes. The strainer is back in the housing. It's all buttoned up. You are now ready to put water back into the system and turn it on now quick word of caution if you want to get a picture of a bright and shiny pristine cooling tower now is the time to do it not before you put water into it because i promise no matter how much you rinsed everything As soon as you put water back into the cooling tower and turn it on, you're going to have some dirt and debris on the bottom of the tower basin. Just will not fail. And if that's when you show it to the customer, the customer's going to say, how come you didn't clean this part? So snap a couple of pictures of the cooling tower right when it's ready to go back online, but before you put it back online. And then they'll see how good it looked. I love before and after pictures. And if you show somebody with a dirty cooling tower versus this picture we're talking about right now, they're gonna say, wow, whoever did this work is doing some great work. Now you're turning the tower back on. You're gonna get that little bit of dirt and debris in the bottom. Is that a big deal? Well, absolutely not if you have a filter in the system. And that's a great time to have a conversation with your customer explaining that you're as upset that they are, that there's crud in the bottom of the cooling tower basin. Of course, you are not upset that it's in the basin. You're upset that it's gonna get in the heat transfer surfaces and that's gonna ruin efficiency, which again, Mr. Customer, is another reason why we have to make sure that we have a filter on this system because it's all about efficiency. And when we keep things efficient, then that means you're going to pay less to run them. All of that, again, is that quadrinity that we spoke of I just came up with that term on episode 237. I don't know if I like it or not, but uh, anyway, it, it's catchy. It makes you think of all the things that we need to do as a water treater. Now let's go back to something we mentioned at the top of the show, and this was where we were using some sort of um, pool filter on steroids, if you will, for a cooling tower. If you have access to one of those, then bring that to your tower cleaning because after the tower is then turned on, and after you've had that. Conversation with your customer about why it's so important to get a filter. You can then use that and then you can pull vacuum your way to a clean, shiny basin. And then everybody's nice and happy. And you're probably saying, everything is complete. I can just pack everything up and go. But no, the next thing you need to do is you need to schedule with the customer, or whomever is doing this needs to schedule with the customer. When is the next time we are going to clean this? Now, we should have a lot of data because we're taking care of this system about how long it takes to get that quarter inch of dirt in the bottom of the cooling tower basin. We want to make sure we clean the cooling tower before that happens. And how long does that take? And of course, it's going to take longer if we do have filtration. And maybe we can get a little bit longer out of it if we have some online cleaning devices like that pool-type filter that we will use in the cooling tower basin. But again, that does not take the place of cleaning. When we talked about everything that we need to clean... It was making sure that everything the cooling tower, that heat transfer device needed to work efficiently, was being maintained and cleaned to be efficient. And that is a lot more than just sucking some stuff off of the bottom of the basin. So, with all that information, you are going to schedule the next time that's going to be done. And I can just imagine the question is out there after listening to all of this. I'm a water treater. Should I be the one that's cleaning the cooling tower? Now, there's a lot of ways to look at this, and I'm going to try to cover some of them. One is I don't think anybody is better qualified than a professional water treater. We are the ones that have to deal with the results the day after everything has been cleaned. So, if it hasn't been done correctly, we're the ones that are going to feel all the pain that comes from that would put us in a very unique perspective. But should I do it or not? Well, that's an answer that only your company can come up with. Do you have the competency to do this? Now, look, I know you know how to do this and you can visualize everything that I'm talking about. But if there was another issue, would you be able to repair that? What are all the things that could come up that maybe you don't want to deal with. Maybe you don't have the regular history of dealing with and you would have to refer somebody else. Maybe you'd have to pay for that somebody else and now becomes more expensive. Maybe you don't have the time to do this because you're doing such a good job with your regular customers doing what you do every day, which is professional water treatment and doing all the things that that requires of you. So look at the competencies that your company has. Look at the bandwidth that you actually have to do that. And that will help you answer that question. I have no doubt that you would be one of the best people to do this task, but it might not be the best for you. What might be even better, if you can strike up a relationship with a company that does this to the specifications that we just spoke about on this podcast, and now you have an alliance with them, and when they're cleaning cooling towers, they're now noticing things that you taught them, and guess who they are going to refer that customer to when they have water treatment issues. So I would just think about the big picture And the thing that I don't want you to do is try to be everything to all people. I've seen that with so many companies that they're so scared that they're going to lose business because company X does something more than what you do. Folks, I don't think that's a big deal. I think everybody expects you to do what you're supposed to do better than anybody else. And if you can do that, don't worry that you don't do something else and somebody else does. Because what you're doing primarily, you're already the best at. And if you need to hire somebody else to do something you don't do, guess who the customer is going to ask to make sure that it is done correctly. So just think about all those things before you put way too much pressure on yourself. And we have a lot to do as water treaters anyway. So just consider everything. So all of that to say, I hope you have a lot of things to think about now when you are asked to consider whether to clean a cooling tower or not. Something else I want you to consider And the person here to help us do it is James McDonald. So here is another installment of Thinking on Water with James. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where
1: we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about chlorine-tolerant softener resin, Chlorine can have a negative impact on softener resin over time, causing it to break down and lose its structural integrity. At normal free chlorine levels, you may not have ever noticed it. But at higher levels, you may have seen the impacts on softener resin. One option available is what some refer to as chlorine-tolerant softener resin. But what does this really mean? Is the resin made of tougher material than before? Or is the resin just made of more of the same material so it can last longer in its harsh environment? Take this week to think about the impact of chlorine on softener resin and what a chlorine-tolerant resin ultimately is. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's thinking on water. I'm James
0: McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. Thanks, James. And once again, I want to thank the individual that reached out and asked this question. Again, I don't know if this show would have come to light. Maybe it would have eventually, but it wouldn't in the form that it did if this person did not ask the question to me. I really had a lot of fun thinking about all the things around cleaning a cooling tower. And I kind of say, I don't know when the last time I thought about it was. And there really is a lot that we have to know as water treaters when a cooling tower needs to be cleaned. And then there is a right and a wrong way to clean a cooling tower. So I hope I've given you a bunch of things to consider. But above all else, I really hope that I have convinced you that I need your help with your ideas. So whatever your idea is, please go to ScalingUpH2O.com and leave me a voicemail of your very voice asking me your question. And if you don't wanna leave me your voice, you can go ahead and you can go to our show ideas page. But I need to know what those things are because this episode happened because a listener of the Scaling Up Nation did exactly what I asked them to do. So many people have done that. So thanks to all of those people. And uh, Nation, if you know somebody that is in the water treatment industry, I would ask that you have a quick conversation. Hey, did you know that we have a podcast that is just for us? It's called Scaling Up H2O. You can get it anywhere you consume podcasts. And if you don't know how to put a podcast player on your phone or device, Here, let me help you with that. And you are now subscribed to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Thank you for getting the next listeners of Scaling Up H2O. I'll make sure to have a brand new episode for you next Friday. In the meantime, have a great week, folks.
1: Like most people in the water treatment industry, there's always a struggle with work and life and I had a daughter on the way and I was probably a little more mindful of how much I was working and how I can adjust my schedule or or make it in such a way that was sustainable for my family and this conversation is a little more difficult when you don't have people in the water treatment industry because they don't understand the travel aspect, the service aspect, the technical uh, knowledge needed to be successful it's a little more difficult to to balance that. So to have a group of like-minded individuals to work through with the goal of self-development, it's really helpful to kind of hash through those problems for me.
0: To find out more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.